Hello and welcome to CBuzz, a collaboration between the Columbus Chamber and CD1025. Uh, we bring you the best stories from Columbus business owners. I'm your host, Dan Swartout, and today we're talking with Ryan Vessler, the owner and founder of Homage, one of my favorite companies. Ryan, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you, sir. It's great to be here. Before we get going, why don't you tell us a little bit about Homage for those out there who may not be familiar? Okay. That's a great question. Try to be brief because <laughs> I could, you know, my attention span could wander and who knows hey, where we'll I'll end up. I'll rein you in if, if, if need be. Okay, good. So Homage started in 2007. Right. I was living at home and I was selling- It's a clothing care. It's a clothing company. Yes, an I'm apparel sorry. company. I'll get there. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. It could be anything, yeah. any kind of company. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to keep people in suspense. Yeah, like it's, it's like at the, the very last... end, I'll reveal what just exactly what kind of company it is. <laughs> So stick around for 35 minutes if yeah. you want to know. Uh, actually, we're in the import-export business, but I won't <laughs> tell you what we're importing or what we're exporting. <laughs> Just kidding. So I was living at home right. circa 2007 and was selling vintage clothing on eBay. Ever since I was young, my sister, I have an older sister who's five years older than me. She used to take me to thrift stores and it was there that I discovered the magic of a vintage t-shirt. Yeah. It's like I could find something that nobody else had. And it was soft, it was beat up, had a cool graphic on it, something older than me. Right. So I became sort of infatuated with vintage clothing from an early age. So one day I decided that I would try to sell said clothing on eBay. My friends thought I was kind of nutty, but I said, I'm going to show you, all of you. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you threw in that all of you. Well, my friends that. were like, dude, you're not going to be able to sell that stuff on eBay. Like, who's going to buy that? And I think when people tell me no, I generally want to prove them wrong. Because sure. I, I get an idea in my head and I stick to it. My mom always points that out as a personality trait of mine. Anyway, so I started to buy this clothing and, and market it and sell it on eBay. And, and there was a demand for it. So I was selling this clothing on eBay and I realized that, uh, you know, what was cool about it is I was, I was curating an assortment of clothing for people. I was kind of the tastemaker. I would go through the racks, find what I thought was cool, photograph it, describe it, market it, ship it, customer service it. So you weren't, yet, des you weren't yet designing the, these clothes. These no, are clothes I was you just, went out and found at vintage stores, thrift stores. Yeah. And, and in that time, I had also sort of given myself an education in, in vintage you know, I'd pay attention to the tags, the labels, mm -hmm. like, was it a Screen Stars tee? Was it a Velvachine? Was it a Russell Athletic? You know, because like those tags reveal the era from which the shirts originated. So, sure. so it was this cool little thing and experiment and teaching myself the ropes of how to run an online business and also learning how to, you know, market and sell clothing. So eventually you design your own clothing. You make the leap from finding clothes to designing your own. Um, what was the first, this is something that I've always been curious about. What was the first homage t-shirt design? Well, it was, a, it was a subtle leap. So I was continuing to sell vintage, but then I also had started homage at that point and was selling a shirt or two online. It was a simple block Ohio shirt. Yeah. And I was living at home and, and, God bless my parents. There was stuff everywhere, smelly vintage clothing in every room. But my parents are really cool with it. And I sort of 
told him I had a plan, even though I'm not sure that I did. So I realized that if I was going to find a, a sustainable business, it was going to have to be with, with new clothing. And plus people are kind of weird sometimes about vintage clothing. Like there's a stigma of, Oh, I don't want to wear that. It's old. It's somebody else has worn it. So it's, I was catering to a very niche market, but in that time, you know, I'd learned a lot about e-commerce. People don't associate eBay like that. Or I'm, I think they do now, but back then it was like, Oh, you're, you're selling used clothing on the internet on eBay. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Like it doesn't have the same right. sex appeal as, Oh, you have your own.com and you're, you're selling clothing to the world. When, when you were a child then, I mean, one of the things that's always been interesting to me about homage is the sense of nostalgia and did, was that ingrained with you as a child? I mean, were you just kind of soaking it up? You're growing up. It's, you know, 1992. Um, you know, you've got CNC Music Factory playing, <laughs> and you're just kind of soaking up these times. I mean, what would you... How what does that song go? <laughs> Everybody dance now. I think... I, I, I don't know how much we can do before we get charged a licensing fee okay. for singing it on, on, on the show. Maybe but. we'll have to purchase a license. <laughs> So, so I mean, were you kind of just soaking that up as a child? What were you like as a child? What was your childhood like? You know, that's a good question. Um, I just think I was never really attracted to what was popular and in vogue. I think I was always drawn to things that were a little bit off the beaten path. Right. And, you know, it's that exploration of, of things, you know, not getting caught up with the latest and greatest trend. I remember... In high school, you know, a lot of kids wore Abercrombie and Fitch. And right. I, I went into that store and just felt like it wasn't for me. It didn't speak to me. So I don't know if at that time I, I really had starting a clothing business on my mind, but it just sort of felt foreign to me. It didn't feel like, you know, I could be myself in that clothing. And so, you know, being, I guess, somewhat entrepreneurial, I eventually found my way to clothing. So I think it was just not sort of going with the flow. It was, it, it was resisting a little bit. It was, it was kind of carving out my own path that led me to where I am now. And so then that takes you to college. You went to OU, correct? To OU. And you decided to man, uh, major in Spanish. Why, why the Spanish major? And what were you looking to do with a Spanish major? Porque me gusta el español. For all those people who think that that's just a fake major, that I didn't really major in Spanish. Actually, that's the only thing I know how to say. Oh, really? No, I just really, I was drawn to Spanish. I love the way that it sounded, uh, or that it sounds, rather, because the sound hasn't changed. But um, I took some Spanish in high school, and not only was there a value, or is there a value in today's world, because there's so many Spanish-speaking people in this country, mm -hmm. but it was so much fun learning this other language. It was like once I figured out how to speak it and write it, it's like this thing was unlocked for me. Right. You know, you're, you start to think in Spanish. So it was really a passion of mine. It wasn't, I didn't think, oh wow, I'm gonna be able to use this skill and this is gonna be my career path. I just really wanted to learn Spanish. Uh -huh. So that's what I did. Cause I felt, even in college, I felt entrepreneurial and I knew that I would eventually start an enterprise of my own. I just didn't know in what area. So you truly went to college for your own 
intellectual edification, not so much to prepare you for a career. You went to learn about what you wanted to learn about. That's right. And I don't know if that's a, a, a good lesson or not, because <laughs> it's like, I, I consider the, you know, I, I graduate, I've got this Spanish degree, uh -huh. and I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Um, you know, college is a little bit of both. You know, you want to discover your own path, you want to learn about different things, but you also want to prepare yourself for a career. So, you know, I, I'm not sure that I'd recommend that path for everybody, but at the same time, it's important to really discover what drives you and what you're passionate about. Now, you graduate from college. Did you try any business endeavors before you became the vintage villain? Were there any uh, attempts that you made that didn't quite work for whatever reason? Yes. Yeah, so during the summer, I think it was of junior year uh -huh. in college, a friend, uh, a longtime friend and I started a company called Dale Threads. Okay. And it was called Dale Threads because my friend Kurt uh, lived on Dale Avenue in Bexley. Okay. And we, at that time, we had sort of acknowledged that the clothing, the, the collegiate clothing inside college bookstores was on the boring side. It was very commoditized, very price-driven. Not a lot of attention was paid to the design and sort of the comfort mm -hmm. level of that clothing. So we decided that we could make it better, but it turns out that running a business, you know, two college kids is, is a little bit trickier than we thought. And Kurt was going to school somewhere else. He was going to Denison and I was going to OU. So it was pretty much a summer project and we learned a lot, but it didn't really pan out. And so that's a bit of what allowed me to get into collegiate apparel and t-shirt design because I had a basic framework, but it was also, you know, back to the eBaying, it was, it was the, that foundation of, of vintage that really helped me put two and two together. Excellent. So, so you, you go back home after college and you start running the vintage villain mm -hmm. and eventually homage out of your parents' basement. Well, I was doing vintage villain in college and my roommate was less than thrilled. So you were, you were the vintage villain goes back before you even graduated. Yes. The vintage villain started, I want to say after freshman year in college. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, so you're talking like really the very beginning of eBay. <laughs> no, I think eBay was around before, considerably before. I'm not sure. But, but before it, it attained the, the acceptance that it has now in our culture. And if you say eBay, everybody knows what you're talking about and everybody knows what happens there. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that vintage villain really put eBay on the map. <laughs> So you put eBay on the map with the vintage villain. You're running it first out of your college apartment with your roommate mm -hmm. and then eventually moving into your parents' basement. What was it like running that out of your home? It was definitely a lot of fun because, you know, I'd set off. I'd have like my thrifting day where I'd leave early in the morning and get in the car and probably hit up eight or nine thrift stores in one day and I'd break for lunch and have a delicious fast food meal. So you've got this entrepreneurial streak happening. You've got the vintage village, vintage villain happening. Homage is just about ready to pop. You took some, uh, you took some entrepreneurial classes along the way as well, including with Seba's uh, favorite Joe Delos from Hot Chicken Takeover, aka Flossie Delossi. <laughs> is that what his nickname is? I think so. I've heard it once. He'll probably be really upset that I said that. <laughs> 
Delossi, Delossi. Yeah. So, so what, how did you, how did you guys come about? I mean, in, in taking that class together, did you have a bond during that class or anything like that? Cause you've, you've partnered together on some things afterwards. Yeah. So I had met Joe before the class. I didn't know he was going to be in the class. I was mm -hmm. asked by the, the instructor or the professor, Artie Isaac, if I would sort of audit the class and present a little bit about my small business experience. And so Joe and I had, you know, been in touch since then. Um, he's a great guy. I yeah. love supporting whatever endeavor he's, he's a part of. Good old Flossie. Yeah. Flossie, he's done a lot of things. He's, he's big on, you know, social enterprise. Right. Um, but now he's big on that fried chicken, that hotness. But yeah, I'm super stoked to, to see Joe successful. You know, he, he's, he's very passionate at whatever he does. And so we got together and he said, Hey, I'm thinking about doing a Kickstarter. And I said, cool. Well, here's, here's what I think about the shirt. We should do this limited edition gold on black. And we did, and it was a smashing success. And, and Joe's a rock star. You know, it's, it's awesome being in Columbus with people like Joe, because, you know, they, they push things forward. Um, they help put Columbus on the map right. with great concepts, great brands, great ideas. And, and, you know, people like Joe are doers. They will keep at it until they're successful. So, and, and like Joe, uh, with hot chicken takeover, you started selling your clothing in kind of pop-up locations. Why don't mm -hmm. you tell us a little bit about that? So my first customer was a boutique in the short North, uh -huh. Dr. Mojo. Fashion hurts, but the doctor has the cure. Okay. Um, I love that. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, I remember bringing an order of Ohio shirts over to Dr. Mojo. Uh huh. And it was early Saturday morning. I had asked my screen printer if I could show up at like 7 a.m. on Saturday. We could print a run of shirts and I could bring them over to Dr. Mojo. The first. 15 or 20 customers through the door said, Hey, do you guys have that shirt that just says Ohio? So it was, you know, it was a slow thing, but definitely kind of getting my product in front of people really helped. So it was an, an addition to, you know, these, these wholesale opportunities like Dr. Mojo, but I was also popping up at places like ComFest right. or other festivals where I had the opportunity to be in front of people and, and tell my story. And that way people could get a feel for who they were buying the product from. Right. And, and the thing I love about that Ohio shirt and a lot of your shirts, it's a real tie to the community. You know, longtime Central Ohio residents know, for example, that Family Ties, mm -hmm. the old sitcom, mm -hmm. was set in Columbus, Ohio, and would occasionally have Columbus, Ohio references. And, and sometimes Alex P. Keaton would wear a shirt that just said Ohio. So I think that, you know, obviously people are proud of where they're from, but it, it triggered some cool memories as a kid of, you know, we didn't live in Los Angeles. We didn't live in Chicago where all these TV shows are sat. We were right here in Columbus, and so were the Keatons. Definitely. I think there's a certain simplicity to the designs that we do, and they are a lot of times a nod to something uh -huh. in the past, but it's open for interpretation. Like the Ohio shirt can sort of be what you want it to be. It can be a statement of, I'm from Ohio. I love Ohio. It could be, I love Ohio University or Ohio State uh -huh. or, you know, I love Alex P. Keaton. I love family ties. And, and so th what I think is at the core of that is it brings people together. Yeah. So if you were wearing that shirt on the street and I saw you, I would probably come up to you and say, that's a really cool shirt. Yeah, Where'd you yeah. get it? And somebody would say, oh, I got it from this company in Columbus. And 
oh, you're from Ohio too. Yeah. My sister lives in Ohio or, you know, or whatever. It's just, it's, it's uh, a way to bring people together and it's a way to tell stories. It's funny you mentioned that too, because I know when I purchased a t-shirt from homage recently, I posted a picture online of the pack of new kids on the block trading cards mm -hmm. I got with my shirt and immediately, instantly, you know, I'm getting all these messages on social media. Everyone knew exactly where it was from, exactly where I had shopped. And, and I, that's the, is that the kind of thing you're trying to build when you're talking about telling a story overall and sending a message and a sense of community, those kinds of things that set you apart? Yeah, definitely. A brand has to have all these different emotional touch points in addition to just the product and just the store experience. It's, right. It's what else is in the package with the shirt. Because when you get something for free, customers are like, you know, it, it, it makes the customer feel like the brand really cares. And uh -huh. we do because in today's world where the bottom line seems to be the only thing that matters, people don't, you know, companies don't want to give away things. It costs more money. They want to subtract details, not add them, but I'm the opposite because I think that experience does matter. Mm -hmm. And you know, not that I want to be known as the brand that always gives away obscure nineties trading cards. Cause we've got other trading cards. We've got Ninja Turtles, nice. and American Gladiators <laughs> and the occasional pack of 1990s Don Russ or Fleer baseball, you know, so we, we, we have a, we have more diversity in our and our wax packs. One of the things that's interested me too about your store and your brand is you have come along just as that entire segment has kind of exploded. The idea of kind of fun t-shirts, more, more, you know, localized t-shirts, things that are a little more specific or maybe a little more obscure in the references. You've kind of have grown as that entire segment has grown. How have you been able to stay on top of that as more and more people have gotten into that market? I think that's a great question. So, you know, I think it's, it's relatively easy to get into the t-shirt space. Um, and it's even easier to create an e-commerce platform. When I first started, you know, I was hiring a web developer to install Zencart, right? the greatest e-commerce <laughs> software in the world on a server. And we were, you know, modifying PHP files and code. And it was, it was really tricky. And now there are these shared and hosted platforms like Shopify mm -hmm. that really make things super easy where you can pick a, a very elegant template and go from there. And within, I don't know, an hour, you can be selling t-shirts online. So it's definitely a lot easier and, you know, access to blank shirts is, is not hard to come by. But I think at the end of the day, um, we, for us, it's about storytelling and it's about authenticity. And I think plenty of people can get a, sh a blank shirt and maybe put the shape of Ohio on something. But, but I think at the end of the day, what does that really mean? And for us, it's the things like those packs of trading cards and, and the store experience that where people say, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to buy a shirt that, that celebrates where I'm from, or, you know, my, my sort of local affinity, I'm going to buy it from homage. At least that's our hope. I mean, right. I know there's a lot of options out there and I'm certainly not here to diss any of no. the competition. I, I wish everybody the best, but for us, we really, really go out of our way to, to make sure that the entire experience from in-store to customer service to, 
you know, what our employees say and do and how they act and how they treat people that it's top notch because I'm a perfectionist and I want, I want the store to be something special. I want the brand to be remarkable. I want people to talk about it. When they say Columbus, I want people to say, yeah, you, you got to check out homage. There was a tweet the other day. Uh huh. Somebody said he's, he was, he's visiting homage and he picked his hotel due to its proximity to our <laughs> store. <laughs> that's awesome. So I think that's pretty cool. Homage has grown so very much from from its beginnings as an eBay storefront. You've got the multiple locations now. You still do a great online business, expansive social media reach. You've made your way, clearly, but what advice do you wish you had at the very beginning when you were first getting Homage up and running? Wow. Um, In terms of business or... Life advice? Business, life, I mean, anything. Anything. This is a business where I've taken a passion and turned it into a career. Uh Uh-huh. You know, I think there's a lot of lessons. Let me think here. It's like, here's my chance to really... This is your chance. ...really influence somebody. To impart out there. This is a big moment. No, so seriously, I think looking back, um, I think it's it's really important to have a healthy work-life balance. You know, I definitely threw myself into my work and, uh-huh. and rarely came up for air, stopped traveling, you know, just was so into work because it was like, there's always something else to do, always a fire to put out. And I think it's really important to take a breather, to travel, to take your mind off of work, to turn off your phone. I mean, I came home from work yesterday and I just turned off my phone because there's always going to be something to deal with. Right. Like, and the channels in which those problems can reach you are, are multitudinous. Did I, use that, did I use that word correctly? I think you did. I hope I did. If, hope. if not, we know, we know, we <laughs> know exactly what you're saying. There'll be some tweets. <laughs> um, but yeah, like information can come at you via text, via uh-huh. phone call, via Twitter, via Instagram. And there's so much information out there. And if you constantly are shifting from one thing to the next, it can really kind of drive you crazy. It can kind of take your focus off of what is most important. And in trying to do everything, sometimes you're almost doing nothing. Right. And so I have to really, at this stage of my life and career, take a step back and say, what am I trying to build? What am I trying to accomplish? And kind of leave all of that other stuff behind. As much as I want to do everything, like my generation definitely feels like we can have it all. Uh But I, I think, you know, I think multitasking sort of takes you out of the moment and I want to be in the moment because when I'm in the moment, I'm more inspired and then I can do more exciting things with my life and with my business. Are you still responsible for a majority of the designs on your clothing or how is that exactly, how exactly is that farmed out within your workforce? So we have a design team. We have three um, tech designers. Uh We've got four or five graphic designers. So we start with a, a narrative of, you know, we, we want to design this or we have a relationship with this player. So we're going to do a caricature T of Barry Larkin, for example. So I always prefer to start with the why behind things. And I think that guides the design and the creative process. It doesn't always work out that way, but um, generally speaking, when, when there's a why behind it and then it goes into, into the design phase and the production phase, uh, it's more successful. So I'm overseeing all of that. So I like to call myself creative director, uh, CEO, uh-huh. or whatever that that's not a title that I really, I mean, you know, 
sounds real serious. I want to keep things fun. So I like creative director and, and as creative director, I, I sort of decide which narratives we want to pursue. And so I think focus is a really important thing now that we've grown and there's a lot of opportunities. And so what's going to be the biggest, what's going to be the most lucrative, how are we going to reach more people? These are all challenges that I wrestle with every day. And probably the reason why I don't sleep as much as I used to, because <laughs> I got a lot on my mind, but you know, I'm not, that's, that's a blessing you have to embrace all these challenges and, and just get creative and figure out how to, how to make the best of them. So what is next for homage as you're wrestling with all these things? What is your vision for homage five, 10, 15 years down the line? Well, 15 years down the line. <laughs> Whoa. I just that threw that out there to complete 47. the sentence. Oh my God, that just scared me. Um, then you'll be doing some retro uh, One Direction tees. <laughs> wow. Let's. We should probably secure that licensing deal now. Get on it, Harry. Yeah. So we have sort of in the short term, we have a store in Cleveland that's in the works. It's mm-hmm. going to open up in November. So we and and our third store obviously is in. Cincinnati it opened up last fall. So we are building the brand outside of the city of Columbus. But I think long term we are designing some some clothing lines that are not so married to, you know, regional affiliations. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, you know, is it feasible to have ten stores, twenty-five stores that are full of sort of city pride or team pride products? Mm-hmm. I, that's always gonna be a component of the business because I think that is what helps us build authenticity by telling these fun stories that are very much a part of the lore or the mythology of a city or a town or a team. But we have a line of basics coming out in the fall, which I'm super excited about. And, and we also have a um, performance line that is going to come out. And we've actually been testing some of these things in the store. That's what's cool about brick and mortar is that you can set out a product or two that serves as a test. So we have these really cool women's performance tights that are part of the future performance brand called Homage Hustle. Wow. It's it's kind of top secret, so so don't tell anyone. We'll have to edit this part out of no, the... No, no, you can keep that in, <laughs> I think. Uh, let, me, let me think about that. I'll get back to you. But yeah, it's it's really, you know, for us, it's it's about, I think, producing clothing that that reaches more people, that solves more problems. And while, while doing that, you also have to simultaneously kind of build this core, core brand, the basics that you know, work in any city, whether it's Cleveland or Philadelphia or New York or Los Angeles or Boise. Anywhere. Know, anywhere. Zanesville. It doesn't, you know, when you, when you build clothing that is functional and comfortable and is well-made and responsibly made, and I think... I think you, you know, you, you connect with customers on a very, in a very unique way. And so that's our, that's our plan. So the same attributes and values that have driven the graphic t-shirt side of the business will, will drive the other side of the business. So a lot of people go, well, homage is changing. Well, we're not, we're not changing. We're just solving more problems because at the end of the day, you might need a blank t-shirt to wear right to a more formal event. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the Larry Bird shirt, as as much as it works in many situations, there there is a time, I don't know, like a like a bar mitzvah party where you might want to wear a really 
snazzy pocket t-shirt mm-hmm. without a graphic on it. So we're looking at those things as the future of homage as well. Ryan Vessler of homage. It has been a pleasure to have you here on CBuzz. Thank you so very much. Uh, we've learned a lot about your business. We've learned a lot about you. Uh, thank you. It's been it's been a real pleasure, especially for a a brand and a store that I enjoy so much to get down to, to business and talk to you about it. Is it's been it's been a great thrill for me. So thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. This has been awesome. This has been awesome. So uh, thank you guys so much. My name is Dan Swordout. I'm here again. Ryan Vessler from Homage. It has been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to CBuzz. We will catch you next time. Later. <laughs> Later, Skater. <laughs>